Our friend Pete over at Summer Pops once said to me, quote, when school leaders are able to gather as a community and freely discuss issues and strategies, it can only have a positive impact on maintaining successful schools. And Will, I love watching schools succeed, end quote. You know, Summer Pops Math Workbooks sells thousands of workbooks every year. That's thousands of students returning to the classroom every fall, better prepared and more confident in their math skills. And Pete wanted to reach out and ask you, this leadership community, to help raise that number to tens of thousands of students a year. I have seen the Summer Pops workbooks, and they are worth a look. And it's a free look. If you're interested in Summer Math workbooks, or you're just curious, visit summerpopsworkbooks.com and request your free samples today. Principal Matters Podcast, episode 379. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm back with my co host. Jen Schwanke. And Jen, this week, we're going we're gonna to talk about the difference between systems leaders and people leaders. But before we get started, as we're stepping into this new year together, how are you? And what are you looking forward to as we step into 2024? Isn't it crazy about 2024? I was talking to a colleague yesterday, and he remembered a professional development we'd gone to together in 2002. And I was like, Oh man, yeah, I remember. And he said, you know, that was 22 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Oh my gosh, I'm going to need a minute. So, um, yeah, time is flying by. They say time marches on and that's certainly true. So I'm looking so, forward to, um, you know, I always find that the mid, you know, the, the holiday break, um, brings just a different mindset once you get back in into the work. So I'm looking forward to looking forward. Well, time is so funny because you just reminded me of a moment with our son, Jack, our son, Jack, Missy, it, we share, I have a son named Jack and you have a son named Jack. <laughs> we but, both have But Jacks. I'm talking about yeah. Will's son named Jack. Um, we were traveling uh, for the holiday and um, I was just, talking out loud, thinking out loud about my grandparents who were big, uh, believe it or not, they were old enough that they were big FDR fans. Like Franklin Delano Roosevelt was a president that they admired. And I was thinking, you know, back in that day, it was like, he was so popular that almost everybody was a Democrat. And then I said, it was, it was like, like 25 years ago, you know, like when Ronald Reagan was so popular, everybody seemed to become a Republican. And Jack said, dad, I hate to break it to you, but that wasn't 25 years ago. <laughs> Right. I know. He's like, let's try 40 years ago, dad. And so I I was just like, suddenly it was dawning on me, Jen, that it's 2024, but in my brain, I just can't wrap my my mind around the fact that that, uh, time is moving on. And what I thought was 20 years ago was really 40. Exactly. Well, we've all seen those memes, you know, 1980 is as far away from us now as World War II was to, from 1980. So, um, you know, yeah. us, us older people that, you know, we lose blocks of time, probably out of an emotional necessity, but yeah. So principal um, matters listeners, we yeah. wanted to start there just to make us all feel a little older. <laughs> right. right. We're here to make but, you all feel better. That's right. <laughs> but, but here, here's something I'm really interested in 
to talk about today, Jen. And this is something you and I off the air, um, you had mentioned to me some of these thoughts and I was like, let's bring this on the air. And that is, let's talk about that dynamics between systems leaders versus people leaders. Because in this work that we do, we talk a lot about how important people and relationships are. Systems are important too. So I want to just ask you to, to step into that conversation first. Take, take us down some of the thoughts that you've been having about the tension and, and the dynamics involved in those two strength areas. Right. I Yeah. See, Will and I had a conversation offline about this because I've just begun to think about systems in a more formal way. Of course, they've always been on my radar, but um, I was in a in a conversation with another educational leader, and we were talking about some some problems we were running into and what was going wrong. And I said, I just don't know that that the right people are on the bus. And she pushed back on me, and she said, Yes, it's important to have the right people on the bus, but if there's not a route for that bus to follow, if there's not a system then it doesn't matter how strong the person is. And so I said, I'm, I'm going to need to think about that. And I, and I did start thinking about it, started doing some reading about systems. And I think, um, you know, if I offend someone or if they want to push back, I welcome it. But I, I think in education, so many times we rely so heavily on the people. Like one of my favorite phrases, and I've repeated this approximately 40 million times, is hire the right people and get out of their way. And I do believe that I'm, I'm not, I'm not contradicting myself. However, the implication that if you hire the right people and get them in the right place, it almost implies a meritocracy, right? That principals or districts who recruit a certain type of person or a certain certification or prepar preparedness or experience that they will therefore have a better organization. Hmm. And I think that's worth wondering about, because what that means then is we're spending so much time addressing how people perform and how they feel rather than addressing the complexity of the systems that affect that performance and, and their feelings. Oh, okay. So let's just sit here for a little bit. Right. Because, <laughs> no, this is so important because you and I know that there tends to be pendulums swings in, in the kinds of the, the emphasis that we place on what we believe is most important. And so um, maybe sometimes you'll see a pendulum swing towards standards and curriculum. And let's really focus on the learning outcomes for students, which is super important. That's, that is so important. And then sometimes in conversations, you see the pendulum swing back towards, let's talk about school culture and cultivating the kind of environment mm -hmm. that we want for, for rich learning to happen and the meaningful trust to take place, which is really important. But what I hear you saying, Jen, is that, and that's such a great analogy, is that we can, yes, it is important for us to focus on the kind of people that we want in place to care for students and children. And of course, now it's harder than ever to find highly qualified and effective instruction instructors and teachers and educators because of the shortage in this profession of highly qualified people. But even with that importance, as important as that is, if you place good people into systems that aren't designed for their success, they're going to go somewhere else. Well, right. And if you place those good people in, in situations where there is no system, and then you wonder why they're flailing, 
Mm-hmm. And and you think, gosh, I, that was a bad hire, or well, this is not the right assignment for that person. Well, maybe not, you know. And and Will, you've heard me say this a lot too. I think so many principals are out there spending exorbitant amounts of time and their own personal money to address how people feel. They're, you know, I'm going to make, I'm going to decorate the teacher's lounge. I'm going to buy them all donuts. I'm going to, and I, I've done all that too. And I think it's important, but they're going after feelings rather than systems. And I think if you ask teachers, many times they would tell you, yes, I like donuts on Fridays, but I'm also really frustrated because our technology doesn't work. Or I'm really frustrated because our system of grading makes no sense. I'm frustrated because parents aren't engaged. So it's the bigger system. And here's the rub. Changing systems takes an exorbitant amount of time and patience. System change takes years. So many times we want to put a Band-Aid on it and we want to feel like we made, again, made people feel better. But many principals have said to me, you know, I've done this this thing to make people feel better and no one even noticed or no one thanked me. And then, of course, the natural rebuttal to that is, well, you shouldn't do it for the thanks. Well, but also we shouldn't address feelings if literally everybody is left feeling worse afterwards. <laughs> so if it's a systems problem, we can get to the feelings through that. And, and the argument I'm going to make, well, I don't want to dominate the conversation, but the argument I'm going to make is it has to be a little bit of both. There is some, some research out there and some, some thinkers who have said that, um, the one that I found was, um, W Edwards Deming, and he has a rule It's a 95, five rule. And his stance is that 95% of a performance of a organization's success is about the system. 5% is about the people. Now I push back on that a little bit because I think in edgy Deming's work was done in factories, right? Where, um, the people were just producing. I think in education, it's different because as we all know, for example, one toxic staff member, when they go away, it can make a huge impact on, on your school culture. So it's probably more than 5%. However, I think it's worth considering that, even though people have more impact than 5%, we need to pay attention to the systems and not assume that the right people will eliminate our problems. Agreed. Now I'm going to come back to something that you brought out in a conversation when you hosted Dr. Rob Russell and Dr. Dustin Miller on their research over principal mindfulness. And so correct me if I'm wrong, Jen, and, and, Um, My apologies to either one of them if I misquote them because I'm not looking at the research, but I remember them talking about one of the data points that they were getting back in conversations when they surveyed staff was that teachers, the majority of them, believe that their principals value them as a person, but the majority of them don't feel like their opinion is valued. And so, so there's a rub going on here mm-hmm. where, where a principal might be committed to, or a leader might be committed to the people that are in front of him or her, tr- building trusting relationships. Like you said, taking care of the cultural part that's happening, but at the vast majority, and it was like 80% plus that said they didn't feel like their opinions were valued, which means that when they see something that's broken or not working in the system, they don't feel like anyone's listening to them. And so good people can still feel trusted um, and yet not heard because our teachers are often the ones who have 
the most awareness of what's not working. Right. And I think that, that, that points again to systems, because I think some of our systems are so entrenched that when a teacher says, Hey, this isn't working, the natural unspoken probably answer is, well, that's the way it is. That's the way we do this. And so therefore the person who spoke out about change doesn't feel hurt. Right. And so how do we reconcile the need to look at systems with the um, pace of change with the feelings that go along with it? And what I think what I would do if I were a principal right now is I think I would sit down with some leaders or my staff and I'd say, okay, we, we have countless systems, whether it's student drop-off, whether it is the way we we print off emergency medical forms, the way we schedule field trips, the way we pay, pay our bills, whatever. We have so many systems. Let's prioritize what system is holding us back, is hurting our morale, is making our work inefficient. Let's pick one. Let's mm -hmm. pick two. Because everything we don't pick, we're going to keep living with. Mm -hmm. And then let's commit together to looking at that system. And let's all agree nothing's going to be better tomorrow or next month. It might take several years. And really that's a shift between short-term problem solving and long-term problem solving. And so if you have a teacher at that table, who's like, well, yeah, I'm graduating or I'm retiring in two years, the answer has to be okay. But, but the next person will benefit from the work we put into the systems. So I think that knowing system change sometimes takes years. It, it's okay because so many systems are interconnected and they are interconnected to feelings and um, satisfaction and morale and culture and all of that. So let me say it a little differently. I think principals need to look at systems and people. You need to hire good people and get out of their way, but only if the systems are strong. You need to have strong systems, but only if you have people who believe in the value of that system and will help implement it. And so I've got, you know, always, you know me, I've got 20 different scenarios swimming around in my head of things that principals could take on and clearly articulate, we're taking on a system here, guys, and we're going to do this together. There's so much wisdom in that, Jen. And so I want to speak to both the veteran leader and the new leader who may be listening to this conversation and invite you to think about in your school right now, you know, what are the systems that you have in place for? things you've just mentioned, Jen, drop-offs, medical forms, purchase orders, substitute teachers, tardies in attendance, first responder protocols, all those things that you know are happening on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And they're either working or they're not in terms of the process and the system that you have in place for that. And for those who have done it a while, you, you may have been able to begin to influence how those systems work and change over time. For those who are new, it can be overwhelming to recognize, oh my gosh, we don't even have a system for this or the system that we have is not working. And so Jen, the first thing you said that I think is so wise is pick one area where a system could be improved and begin to collaborate with others on the team about how can we make this better? Um, so I'm going to give a couple of thoughts that have been helpful for me. And, and I know I'm a broken record for anyone who listens to the show consistently, but I like to think of school as a campus version of a classroom and great teachers have 
excellent procedures in their classrooms. So as school leaders, we have to do the same thing campus-wide. So how do kids come in and out? And at the beginning and the end of days, how do we manage lunches? Your entire master schedule is your process for these campus-wide learning. That's happened. Those are all systems. And so it's not like you're choosing one or the, or the other here when it comes to systems or people. What you're doing is you're giving yourself permission to support the great people who are coming into your campus classroom by giving them defined expectations, protocols, processes, procedures that when followed consistently make things so much easier to right. do school. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors and then we'll be right back. Over one million teachers use IXL in their classrooms every day for one reason. They love it. IXL is the most widely used online learning and teaching platform for K-12. It provides schools with a personalized curriculum, thousands of instructional resources, and actionable diagnostic data. IXL saves teachers valuable time with ready-made plans aligned to their standards and textbooks. Built-in engagement tools such as customizable competitions, make learning fun for students. Dr. Trujillo, superintendent at Tucson Unified School District, says this is what he loves about IXL. Quote, for the teacher, IXL opens up the door to be a lot more effective and provide more differentiated instruction to the different subgroups of students in their class. End quote. Empower your teachers with the tools and insights they need to enhance instruction, all in one single, easy-to-use platform. Get started today at IXL.com. Well, and I'm glad you said that because I think I want to, I want to put a caveat into this. I don't want this to be heard about being about in curriculum because I think there's a push now for, to buy curriculum. I see a lot of districts doing this and I understand the draw. It's, you know, let's get a program in here. Let's pay a couple million dollars for a program and then let's implement it. That'll be a system and we'll be done. Okay, great. And a lot of teachers are are silently or maybe publicly pushing back on this because they feel with that system of curriculum, a lack of trust. They don't trust me to be able to teach my kids. So they're going to give me these six boxes that I have to figure out what goes first and then teach it. Right. So I think we have to be really smart about our systems. You can't buy a system. You have to have a framework of belief and you have to know what your outcome, what you want your outcome to be. So please principals don't take this as Jen Schwanke says, go buy systems. I think systems have to fit your school, your community, your needs, your people, your beliefs, your missions, your values. It has to fit there and efficiency has to be a part of it. But we also have to recognize that the people we're working with are highly educated and um, bring such important voices and experiences to the table. And so a system isn't necessarily a product. I think it's important that I say that. I feel a lot better now that I did. Thank you. <laughs> I agree. Now I'm you're, you're just making my brain think about other things too, Jen. And so I'm going to bring in a piece of research that I'll link in the show notes. And this is something I heard mentioned in a conference recently. And so th there's an article um, that I'll, I'll link to from the U.S. Government Accountability Office that, um, that was released in 2022. Um, and it was an assessment of, de um, of Department of Defense schools 
in comparison to most K-12 public schools in the U.S. And what they discovered is that um, is that DOD schools have a higher outcome, even among their minority students, when it comes to uh, reading proficiency compared to national averages among public schools. And when you dig into some of the the meaning behind that, and and you know, my dad was in the military, and I didn't attend a DOD school, but 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 Department of Defense schools are created to help manage schooling for military employees or um, or employees of the Department of Defense. And so a lot of them are in places either in the, some of them in the U.S., but some of them in other places in Europe and the Pacific Islands. And But one of the findings was that DOD schools tend to have um, strong procedures and processes and systems in place that they keep for long periods of time. They don't tend to do as much. And if I'm speaking to a DOD uh, educator who disagrees with me, feel free to email me and push back. But in the presentation I had heard and in this study that I'm linking to, there seems to be a correlation with schools that are strongly committed to, to procedures and processes and also aren't um, aren't consistently um, changing with the winds. Mm-hmm. You know, right. aren't all, they're not they're not they're not as apt to dump this program and buy another one and try this. And then, and so that consistency over time leads to better student outcomes. So I want to point to at least just one little piece of um, research here that helps support the idea that there's a reason systems work. Um, And and there's a reason that as, as committed as you and I are as leaders um, and as committed as our listeners are to the people part of leadership, it's uh, it's an important support for people to be committed to the kinds of systems. The, the other thing I'm going to add, Jen, is something that um, worked for me, and I've recommended this to so many leaders. But, but I, when I stepped from assistant principal to principal, I sat down with my non-instructional staff because they do manage so many of the systems in our school. Mm-hmm. Your registrar, your attendance secretaries, your um, your transportation people, your cafeteria workers—all those people are managing systems that make learning happen in other places during the day. And I was just really honest with them as a as a principal. Now I'm in this new role. That there's a lot of things you do that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. So we put together some shared Google documents that we called key responsibility areas, where together we began to list for each of those employees the main responsibilities that they managed on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, so that I could have a place to look to see these are the things that you're helping to manage. And then as a team, we would sit down and share those together. And what we discovered when we initially did it was that some people thought they were the point person for something someone else thought they were the mm-hmm, point person mm-hmm. for. So then we had to assign who's the, going to be the ultimate point person. We also discovered people who only maybe one person knew how to do something really important to the school. And when they're absent, no one else knew how. So then we began to train, cross-train for some of those areas. And then the last benefit we had, and there were more, but I'll just mention this one, was the ability that when we were hiring someone into a new position, we already had a description for them to start with mm-hmm. of those. So, so, so developing those systems on the front end helped me to predict and define behavior instead of constantly having to correct behavior that was never defined. Right. And so, so there's just so much power in your observation that you're right. We get very, we should be very committed to the people parts of our work but we should also be committed to looking at how is this work being designed 
so that we're getting the outcomes that we're desiring. Well, and let me add one more piece to that for a practical implication of this. Many times I think principals are intimidated by those people who know things that we don't know that they know. They're running a system and it's kind of like, okay, she's got it. She does it so well. Yay. Boy, it's going to be hard to replace her. Right. I have my friend, Chris is so good at digging into systems, not to take them over, not to change them, but just to learn them. He does it all the time. I watch him and I asked him about it the other day and I said, tell me where that came from. And he said, I, he had a mentor who would say to him, build your knowledge empire. And I love that. Build your knowledge empire, slowly learn all the systems. And then just that day, after he talked to me about that, we had a phone call um, and I don't like to talk about my own district too much, but this is too good of a story to not do that. A phone call and um, there was a problem with a system and we were going to have to really change it and move some staff people around or whatever. And Chris said, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to drive up there right now. And he got in his car and he drove to the school and he looked and he listened and he talked to everybody that was involved. And he texted me that night and he said, not a problem figured it out. So the next morning I said, wait, what you take a field trip and we no longer have a problem. And he said it was three or four people misunderstanding their role in the system. Hmm. And so when he went and he said to each person, tell me how this works. Well, tell me, and he, you know, I think the key is to not do it, it, it with the mindset of I'm here to save the world, but just to understand it. And then he went home and thought about it. He's like, there's no problem here. We just have to communicate better. So sometimes the systems are strong, but the communication or the allocation of responsibilities, and this is the loop I'm closing with you, the allocation of responsibilities is a little wonky and we just have to get that back aligned. And then the problem is solved. What I like about that example, Jen, is that he went in with the mindset of I'm not here right to to save the day and nor am i here to get someone in trouble i'm here to understand right what's working and what's not and then help us maybe have a better perspective on what we can tweak or fix or exactly redo so that this right. becomes stronger so there's something liberating about that kind of mindset too and so i'm going to wrap up with just these two thoughts jen one is um, as we were getting ready to talk about this topic today, I was thinking back to an episode I did in 2020 with a friend of mine, Colonel Brad Rutman, who's an Air Force. Um, uh, he's a fighter pilot here in the in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area where I live. And I'll put a, a link in the show notes to this conversation with Brad, because Brad talked to me about the difference between in military leadership between strategic, operational and tactical. And he said, well, you know, as a military guy, but he has several kids in our school system here. He says, I, 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 I just can't help but draw parallels between what I see happening in my work and in your work. And he said, you know, at the strategic level, that's the highest level. Those are your commanders and officers who are studying maps and they're looking at the, the global um, strategies that are happening around the world. And, and so the decisions that they make are based on these strategic overall um understandings of of world systems and dynamics and safety those guys communicate that down to the operational level the management level i'm going to say in our case at the school districts that would be the principals who are said okay here's the marching orders of what needs to happen in the schools in order for us to stay on our strategy but the tactical folks are the boots on the ground they're the ones actually doing the work they're teachers in the classroom. They're the staff members that are executing every single day those things that make things happen. 
they're bus drivers that are delivering kids back and forth. And, and every one of those people can also be a part of the strategic and operational because sometimes we blend roles. But that perspective was really helpful for me as a leader to just take a step back and ask myself, which system am I addressing here? Is it a strategic system? You know, something that's the big vision that's guiding us here. Is it operational? Something that's affecting the the, the moving parts of the whole? Or is this something really tactical? It's just like on the boots. It's like this one person needs to, to tweak and do something different for this to, to be executed. So I don't know if that's helpful, but I just kind of wanted to draw in that analogy because I think sometimes as leaders, it can be overwhelming the complexities of, of the work. But sometimes we just need to recognize that where we fit into those categories, because the systems, when you, once you start seeing systems, you, you can't stop seeing them. <laughs> right. They are everywhere. Right. right. Well, as we wrap up, Jen, I just want to say um, thank you for bringing this conversation here, because I just want to encourage principal managers, listeners, as you are thinking about um, this new school year, and especially as you're stepping into a new calendar year, I know I I, I sound like an advice monster today, but I'm just going to say this, that when I begin to, what, usually the spring semester was the time for me to begin to think about next year's problems to fix. So not only am I looking at next year's schedule and hiring and goals, but there may be some things in my policies and procedures that need to change. And this is a really good time to take notes and ha have those conversations and work on some of those drafts and changes that maybe could be implemented or suggested or recommended in the spring, mm -hmm. introduced in the summer and implemented in the fall. So, right. so the time to think about improving systems isn't when you're in the middle of the mess, even though sometimes you have to, but it's to think down the road. So okay. principal managers, listeners, I just want to invite you to, to, and encourage you to continue to love and support the people who are in front of you by building the kinds of systems that help them do that work better. Jen, any, any closing thoughts as we wrap up? No, I think, I, I think this is a fascinating topic and our goal today, listeners, is just to get you to think, um, th think about what it is that's holding you back and it might just be a system, not a person. Well, thank you for that, Jen. And Principal Matters, thank you for the time that you spent learning with us today. And until next time, thanks for doing what matters. You'll find free resources like this one at williamdparker.com. Subscribe for our free weekly newsletter, which contains bonus material. And also check out the links for Grow Academies, Masterminds, Executive Coaching, and Keynote Presentations from my books, as well as from Principal Matters Associates. You can find out more under our speakers tab at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together and thank you for doing what matters.